0: Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head, and with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. We're the of the and welcome in to Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 4, Episode 8, Reluctant Heroes. And here to talk with you about the ups and downs, the ins and outs of all things immortals. I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, as always, is Audie. How are you this week, sir? Doing good, man. good. Good
1: except I've noticed the pollen coming in and it's just like, Bleh.
0: Uh see that's the, so I both love and hate spring for that reason. I love spring mm-hmm. because I like the weather uh, overall, like the warmer without it being blisteringly hot temperatures. The, the humidity isn't devastating yet. Um, I like, you know, a nice rainstorm here and there. The sure. problem is that the trees also wake up and shake off all the pollen and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's rough. Um,
1: Speaking of, we did have some nice rain today to kind of wash some of that crap away, but...
0: No, that's good. I have had times where, like, I would park a vehicle outside and come back and it's yellow. Mm
1: Because it's just covered.
0: Just just coated. So, that's the thing I don't like. I haven't had too much trouble with allergies throughout my life to it, but it kind of comes and goes in waves. I'll be fine for a few years and then I'll have a year where it's just like, I would rather die than deal Mm -hmm. with the allergies. So... It is what it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's been a it's been a pretty normal week, I would say overall for me as well. Um, you know, we, you and I, uh, with Ace in our chat, talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Sunday. That was fun. Yeah, we did uh, all things turtles. I, I I have I have been wanting to find like some comic runs and read them. I've been wanting to go back and watch old episodes of the cartoon. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the different ones too, because um, there's there's several now. And yeah. And Rob Paulson is involved in almost all of them anymore. Uh, he is. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he went from the voice of Raphael to he voiced Donatello in one of them. He's been directing. Uh, one of the more recent ones he did a bunch of direction for, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. He's fantastic, by the way. He's a, he's a yeah. wonderful well, – I, I miss his show. He used to do – I don't know if he's doing the podcast anymore. I haven't heard it in a while uh, where he would interview different voice actors and actors. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was wonderful. He's just—he seems like a genuinely nice person, for so, sure. Yeah. But that was our—that was our weekend, and now we're back. Audie and I are back to talk of mortals with you, and uh, well, yep. we have an episode. Um, yeah, we, we do. Have an, we have an episode to talk about. Uh, I think uh, before we uh, go over that episode, though, there's a Watcher Chronicle. Um, oh, so we'll listen to that. Yep, let's give it a listen. November thirteenth, nineteen ninety-five. I was out doing my normal evening surveillance of McLeod and Ryan. They went to a foreign film festival, and as usual, trouble seems to follow them. There was a shooting in the street, and McLeod jumped in front of the bullet. The two then chased the shooter into a parking garage. I kept a safe distance, but was close enough to catch a glimpse of the shooter. It was Paul Kinman. I'd like to go one week without McLeod running into one of his old friends. So we open up with Mac and Richie and they're coming out of a film festival and Richie's kind of complaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it, I think his line is uh, here: piece of advice, never go to a movie that you can't pronounce the title. <laughs> just just being a total 20 year old, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and Mac's kind of giving it to him uh, telling him, you know what, they didn't have any great lines like hasta la vista baby or I'll be back. Um, just totally <laughs> slagging on uh, on Schwarzenegger, which is fine. I mean it was which the is 90s. Which FYI, That's what you do.
1: I, I looked it up. This episode is four years after T2. hmm Yeah. It just feels weird. <laughs> Isn't it, though?
0: Um, and as they're talking, uh, we, see, we see a guy coming out of a store on the street. Um, I guess Mr. Petrovic is the name that we hear. And then a man in a mask walking up. And as he's, as he's walking up, Duncan and Richie feel an immortal. And it's the guy in the mask. And he pulls a gun and shoots at the store. Mac jumps in front of the bullet, saving the guy who's working um, from getting hit. The, the glass in the windows gets blown out. And then uh, Duncan and Richie chase after the guy. And they mm-hmm. chase him into a parking garage. And as they leave, the, uh, the store worker or owner um, is standing there and his wife comes out and we find out that she was hit. She was shot. Yep. Uh, in the parking garage, the man uh, in the mask ditches the mask and keeps running. Richie and Duncan are chasing him. They pull their swords because they know it's an immortal. And he steps out from behind kind of a pillar in the in the parking garage, and he's ready to fight with Richie when Mac comes walking up, and then he recognizes him.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: not only does he recognize him, but we can tell that he doesn't like him. However, we can also tell that he's really happy to be sword fighting with this guy he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, That's the Duncan you don't want to face. <laughs> no, no, you do not. Uh, so they start fighting right there, right in the parking garage, and mm-hmm. before they can get too far into it, uh, although they do have a, a decent little fight, they hear police sirens. Duncan takes off. Uh, the other guy, whose name is uh, Kinman, goes into the stairwell and is immediately caught by the police, who take him and his sword. Richie and Duncan take off. The next day, Richie comes out to the house that Duncan's been remodeling. That uh, that wonderful little uh, money pit that he's got Mm -hmm. and he's got the newspaper. and He's telling Mac how the shopkeeper's wife was killed and the police are looking for them because they want to question him. And Duncan immediately says, "Mm, no, we're not doing that. And he, he seems uh, less reluctant and more, uh, more concerned for Richie. He doesn't want the publicity that would come from it. He doesn't want this guy knowing who Richie is. Richie is obviously confused because the right thing to do would be to go to the police to talk right. about what happened. Uh, but Duncan's not doing that, and it confuses Richie, and then we get a flashback. Um, coming out of the flashback, we get an FBI agent, Brooks, uh, who comes to the house. She's found Duncan and Richie uh, by by doing a search for... Basically, she was looking for... Uh, eyewitnesses were saying there was a couple of guys driving a Ford T-Bird. So Duncan's car gave him away. She's there. Mm-hmm. She, she is convinced that McLeod and Richie are the guys she's looking for, which of course we know they are, but Duncan refuses to help. Um, Richie kind of still doesn't really understand why, um, but but basically Duncan tells him, I don't, I, I want him. I want to, mm-hmm. he wants to kill Kinman himself. He wants nothing nothing else but that. So then we cut to the two of them leaving the police station because the local cops finally got him and they've been there for, I believe it was like three hours or something, getting questions. Mm -mm. And as they're walking out, they're confronted by Mr. Markham, the store owner, who recognizes Duncan right away, knows that he's the guy that saved his life, but cannot figure out why he won't uh, testify and is just uh, pleading with him to the point where he pulls a gun on Duncan. And tries to threaten him into testifying. Because he just he doesn't know what to do. He's so distraught. Right. He's so confused. And Duncan won't tell him anything other than I can't. I won't, I, I, I can't help you, but justice will get served, I think is the line mm-hmm. that he gives. Or something along those lines. Um Markham then calls him a coward after Duncan takes the gun from him. But he's Markham's like, You're a coward, you're a coward, and we trigger a second flashback. Um mm-hmm. Come back from that flashback and as they're leaving, Agent Brooks walks up and takes Markham's gun from him, which was weird to me. Um, And she keeps telling him, you know, look, Kinman's not getting away with this. He's not going to walk away. Takes the gun. They go inside and then we get uh, her and her partner interrogating Kinman. And Mm -hmm. they interrogate him. She pulls a gun on him in the interrogation room. Yeah. Uh, Her partner... After talking her down from that, then says, I'm going to go put this away and get the bottle of scotch I have in my car. Do you want to come with me? And she refuses, saying she's not mm-hmm. done with Kinmen. And which is already... I have things to say well, about uh, this. Yeah. And then it's revealed that she's in league with Kinmen. She's in cahoots mm-hmm. with him. They are uh, lovers in the nighttime. Yeah. Uh, so... <clears throat> Markham comes by the dojo and uh he he brings his daughters with him and he's trying to guilt trip McLeod into testifying now. Like he's trying, he's just he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do. He's trying anything he can. He tries to offer Richie 200000 dollars to do something. Richie, of course, doesn't take the money tempted by it, maybe, sure. I mean, it's you're gonna be tempted for at least a second when somebody's flashing that kind of money in your face. Oh, um, absolutely. But um, he just he just desperately wants justice for his wife and somebody to help him put this guy away, um, right? And McLeod keeps refusing, and he and Richie is Richie finally calls him on it at one point, and which I do definitely want to dive into, um, telling him that you know Markham is going to go the rest of his life never knowing what happened to Kinman, even even if Duncan kills him, especially if Duncan right. kills him, yeah. Meanwhile, Kinman gets himself out of prison with the help of his uh, wonderful FBI agent friend, Brooks. They kill mm. Brooks' partner. And then later on, surprise, surprise, he double-crosses her. Yep. Kills her. And goes to Petrovic to get his money. Because Petrovic is who, uh, who hired him to kill Markham. Because we find out that Mr. Markham borrowed some money from basically a mobster and didn't tell his wife about it and then when he wouldn't give half of his business to this guy called a hit out on him so Kinman goes to Petrovic to get his money Petrovic says no Kinman shoots him but McCloud shows up and they fight in the meatpacking plant Mm -hmm. and have their final showdown yup so I suppose we should talk about the special guest for this week yeah if you want to talk about something else let's talk about Michael Tossig in Chicago Daniel Rothstein in Philly. And Perry Tavlin in Miami. Are these people I'm supposed to know? They're people you killed. Really?
1: Hmm. You'd think I'd remember something like that.
0: Uh, special guests this week. We have a couple. Uh, there's a couple of um, people in this. Peter Outerbridge plays Paul Kinman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly, as a just straight evil immortal of the week, he's fine. I don't have a problem with him. Yeah. He's he's slimy, greasy, he's evil. He's he, in the flashbacks, he's this pompous um and very uh very um proper English gentleman um which we'll talk about in the flashbacks a little bit more, but he plays he plays his part well. Mm-hmm. And I think his character is written for the type of character they were doing fine. I don't have any problems yeah. with him. I don't have any problems with it. We don't need any motivations as to why he does what he does. He's just good at mm. it. And that's, he's a, he's a gun for hire. He's a sword for hire. Yeah. Um, the Peter Outerbridge is an actor you see in things all the time. Mm-hmm. He is a character actor in TV and movies, mostly TV and TV movies, uh, from what I noticed. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them, um, all mm-hmm. the way up to today, he was in, uh, the expanse. Um, Oh, and, cool. Uh, he was in one of the saw sequels um mm-hmm. one of Silent Hill Revelation um you know he shows up he's currently playing uh Roman Sionis aka Black Mask in Batwoman um as oh, of the last okay. season which I will say this I'd be interested to watch that because I think he could do a pretty good I think he can play unhinged pretty well mhm and so I'd be very interested to see his uh his version of Sionis um
1: You know what's the one thing I know him from more than anything? What's that? The old Canadian TV series, Regenesis.
0: Oh, boy. Did you ever watch that? That is a name I have not heard in a long time. (laughs)
1: Like, that's what I think about with him most. Because I remember watching... I probably watched Regenesis right after watching a Highlander episode in
0: syndication. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. They're about the same era. I mean, he was Uh on... uh, you know, for, he did a guest spot on an episode of Forever Night. So there's mm-hmm. another he did Forever Night and this and Replicator and uh, like the commish he was on a few episodes of back in the yep. early 90s. Um, he shows up in a lot of things. Nikita. He was actually in uh, the the old La Femme Nikita series and the new Nikita that had Maggie mm. Q in it. Um, nice. You know, he was in Mission to Mars. He plays. He'll get cast a lot and do some different accents too. He's fairly decent at accents. He reminds mm. me a little bit. If you remember, I think it was season three episode. We had a guy who kind of reminded us of, um, what's his name from leverage. Um, um, shoot. I can't think of it. Now. Oh, I know who you're talking. About. You know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. And we had the, the actor that kind of reminded me of, of him a little bit. Um, why can't I think of his name? Uh, but this guy, Peter Outerbridge, also gives me a little bit of that in the face, uh, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, I'm going to look that up because I need to know. Um, leverage, here we go. Doo-doo-doo. Timothy Hutton. He, right. He, he has a little Timothy mm-hmm. Hutton in the face, around the eyes especially, yeah. Uh, yeah. is what I notice. So it's, it's one of those where I always think, wait, is that – no, it's not Timothy Hutton. It's the guy who reminds me of Timothy Hutton, but it always happens that way. He's fine. He, I have no problems with him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, none at all. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Markham, Mr. Markham in this is played by Kevin McNulty, another character actor you see in everything. He's got like 227 yeah. credits or some, something crazy. I looked in, 1990- th- in 1993 alone he had nine credits. Good like, Lord. They might be small parts. They might be like, you know, uh, I think he was in um, uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. He was like a security guard in the Baxter building, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Or yeah. a few episodes of, uh, of um, X-Files. Like that, he'll show up and stuff like, like he does in this. But he's he's good. I liked him too. He's really good. Yeah. In fact, his character needed more. They needed to spend more time with him because all we ever see of him is him desperate to get justice for his wife and doing right. doing some, uh, I wouldn't say shady, but like very, very desperate things. Pulling a gun on McLeod, using his kids as leverage, like all this mm. kind of stuff. And then we find out, you know, partway through, oh, well, he was borrowing money from somebody he shouldn't have. Right. Um, so it's like his arc... Felt too rushed, and there was too much going on, um, and I think it's a waste of him as an actor because I think he's actually a pretty convincing actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, to and it was just it was a bummer that there was not more of the episode dedicated to him and Petrovic. Honestly, it yeah. is, is what the the subplot should have been. Um, but I thought he was fine. I, I mean, you know who he reminds oh, yeah. me of? He reminds me of uh, a little bit of uh, and and some of it is his hair. I will admit, William Peterson from CSI oh okay yeah it's so a little bit of that little it, bit. It, like like Outerbridge and Timothy Hutton it's the, it's Kevin McNulty and William Peterson where I can never remember mm-hmm. Kevin McNulty's name and I'm like oh it's the guy that looks like Gil Grissom
1: yeah a little bit but, but yeah, yeah he isn't good gosh he he's been in everything it seems like
0: oh yeah I'm mean, time cops snakes on a plane like you name mm-hmm. it, he's probably been in it. TV, TV movies, movies, shorts, it doesn't matter. He did 227 credits on IMDb. Like, guy works. Guy works a lot. He's got a good agent, whoever he's got. He does. And he's got varied things, too. He'll do A Christmas mm-hmm. to Remember, and he's also in The Man in the High Castle. Like, Right. He's doing a lot of different stuff, and I think because he has a very everyman look to him, That he can, he can just float in and out of just about any, uh, any genre, any style. So, you know, it works. He, uh, I, I had no problem with him other than I just wish they could have made, he's, he is in the, the, yeah, it's okay. Good category where it's like the actor elevates the part, but the part Mm -hmm. needed more. Yeah. Uh, and then we had Jill Teed as FBI agent Kayla Brooks. She also reminds me of somebody, but I cannot for the life of me think of who it's one of those where I see her and I'm like, who I can't think of who it is, but, um, she has been in a bunch of stuff too. um, mm-hmm. uh, small, small parts and things like a long came a spider Godzilla. Um, she was Bobby Drake's mom in X-Men two. The one that says mm-hmm. that we tried not being uh, yeah. or not being a mutant. She had that mm-hmm. line. Um, In other things I have seen her in, she is fine. I Mm -hmm. didn't like her in this episode from the (laughs) get-go.
1: Yeah. She was all right at first, and then there's a moment where she jumps the shark, and it's just—it throws everything off
0: for her. So, okay, the reveal of her working with Kinman is bad. It's very, very bad. I did not like that at Mm -hmm. all. Um but even before that, I didn't care for the way they were portraying her as an FBI agent. She didn't feel like one. Like when she walks up to Duncan and Richie, I I understand that uh, the way you dressed isn't exactly uh, everything, but that as an FBI agent, she didn't look the part of an FBI agent. Now maybe mm. maybe I've seen too many episodes of the X Files, so I just figure they all should look like yeah. Scully and dress that way. Right. But like she was wearing like a red evening gown type dress. Uh-huh. Um and so it, it threw me off there. But I also I didn't the the accent she was putting on didn't quite seem to to like stick and it didn't feel natural to her. Um and I've seen her do fine in other stuff, so it's not like she is a mm-hmm. bad actor. I don't think she was given enough time, but but all of that aside, like I could have dealt with all of that. I would have just been like, yeah, you know, she could have done a little bit better. But then they have that turn and the reveal, and her entire character changed at that point too. Like mm-hmm. when we first meet her, she is all gung ho about uh, Duncan testifying, and. Once it's revealed to the audience that she's not on the up and up, now she's like trying to convince him not to testify or that he might not, you know, it might not be worth it because it might get thrown out of court. Like, what do you, yeah. it makes no sense. Why, why don't you just tell Duncan, hey, by the way, I'm sleeping with that guy and uh, I'm trying to get him out of here. Like, it, it, it bugged me. It bugged me a lot.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. She didn't bug me that much, but. When it came to the turn, then it bugged me, and then I was like, uh, okay.
0: Before the turn, my first time watching this, because I didn't remember much of it at all, um, I just found her to be meh. Um, not quite as annoying as, say, Randy was. But Ran- right. I think Randy, we had too too much exposure to her, and it was just not well written. This was like, mm-hmm. it was fine, but it wasn't going to be that great. But like, okay, as a one-off. Mm-hmm. that, And then that turn hit, and I was just like, nope. I don't, I don't like this character. I don't like how it's written. As soon as she turns and reveals all that, I'm like, okay, so she's going to get double crossed. Mm-hmm. And then for her to kill her partner, who, uh, also, by the way, was played by, um, Fred Henderson, uh, was mm-hmm. uh, Frank DeSantis, who is possibly the worst FBI agent ever. Um, yeah, he was terrible <laughs> like as an agent uh, after after his partner pulls a gun on a suspect in the interrogation room and his response to that is, I'm going to leave now with the gun and mm-hmm. 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 you're going to stay here? Okay, that's fine. No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. First of all, her career is pretty much toast at that point. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely not leaving her in the room with that guy alone. Mm-hmm. So that was one of those where it's like, oh. I, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, they're not doing the... They're not... Th- they're, they are. They're doing the thing. They're doing the thing I hate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, hit. I mean, DeSantis was terrible. And then the way he dies, too, where she's yeah. so blatantly, obviously, trying to get him out of there and he won't do it. And then she shoots him. Yeah. And they just leave him there. And that's it. We see him get shot in the stomach and then that's all. Yeah. DeSantis. We These were scenes
1: that knew. were definitely written to make the story move instead of written to make sense.
0: Exactly. Oh, yes. Yep. They were they were solely there to advance the plot. Um, I also want to mention Stephen Demopoulos, who
1: mm-hmm. played
0: uh, Vincent Petrovic um, as the least intimidating mobster I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, like, for sure.
0: <laughs> He's it's nothing against the actor. Him trying to act smarmy and like, like tough to Duncan, I just didn't buy it at all. It just, yeah, it didn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. so he's fine. I, I just at that point, though, the episode had already kind of jumped the shark on me, as you'd said, yeah. And so it was going to be hard for them to walk back, uh, from all of that anyway. But, mm-hmm. and it's a bummer because I think, I think that it, it, that turn and the second half of the episode undid what could have been, you know, another solid episode, in my yeah. opinion. Um Now, there was two flashbacks we can talk about. Sure. And those weren't too bad.
1: No, they weren't.
0: How disingenuous of you? Oh, how common. Was that your way of challenging me?
1: Tomorrow, at noon,
0: I shall look forward to. So our flashbacks take place in England in 1712. Um, Duncan, yep. is, Duncan is there with his, uh, his friend, Lord Dennis, uh, and they're playing croquet with the Queen. Um, Dennis is outspoken, uh, definitely talking a lot of politics, a lot of war um, uh, issues between the English and the Scots at the time. The English are fighting a war with France. All this kind of stuff. He just he he talks a lot. He he says things that people don't want to hear. The Queen basically tells him to shut up at one point, uh, and he doesn't. He just keeps mm-hmm. talking to the point where she, the Queen, just says, "Well, we're done with you," and walks away. Yeah, it's not good, my dude. It's not good. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, them. They're at a pub, and Duncan is uh, trying to explain to him, like, "Look, I know I'm not a diplomat, but dude, really." Mm-hmm. And 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 to Lord Dennis's credit, I mean, he is steadfast in like, I'm telling the truth. I believe in what I believe in. All of this and Dun- I like Duncan's response to that because he's like, I don't I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, and I don't think that you're uh, you're wrong in your in your thoughts or your feelings, but your timing is awful, <laughs> and you t- yeah you need to know when to say things and how to say them, um, mm-hmm. and as they're having that conversation. Duncan feels an immortal, and in walks Kinman. Yep, and he is there for one reason and one reason only, and that is to get Lord Dennis into a duel. Mm-hmm. And he does. He he, very obviously and very easily goads him into the duel, which then right. of course Dennis won't back down from. Mm-hmm. No matter what Duncan tells him, and Duncan at one point is right. like, "The Queen was right. You're a fool." and and kind of walks away. Mm -hmm. Um, But Duncan goes to Kinman, and first he's trying to get him not to do the duel at all, but of course he's not backing down from that. So he gets Kinman to agree to do the duel to first blood instead of to death. Uh, And that would satisfy honor and move on. But then we see Kinman sit back down with whatever lord um, he was dealing with who basically tells him in in just as many words, make sure you kill that kid tomorrow. So right. now we know that Kinman's been hired. Uh, and the next day at the duel, you know, I have a nice little sword fight. It's a good little fencing scene, actually. I kind of liked, mm-hmm. I liked that. Um, and first blood is drawn. Duncan's like, all right, cool. Duel's over. <laughs> no. Kinman... So-
1: Kinman,
0: <laughs> yeah, Kinman goads him and goads him and and pokes fun. And uh, what does he say? He's like, "Is there anyone in the house that can offer me a challenge? Perhaps your sister. Mm-hmm. When I'm done with your sister, I can entertain your mother." And that Dennis runs it, you know, runs at him. Kinman kills him <clears throat> accidentally, and right. Uh, also, it's funny because later on, um, Kinman will will make Duncan out to be a coward. Yet, when Duncan was about to jump at him, he, you know, finds a way to get out of that situation. I thought mm-hmm. that was very interesting. So, thus ends uh, Lord Dennis. And in our second flashback, Duncan talks to the Queen, wanting justice for Lord Dennis. And she out and out refuses, uh, won't allow him to, because of the tensions and the intrigue and everything that's going on in the court. And he. Duncan reluctantly agrees uh, stating, and I love the way he put that as long as the queen reigns, I will not kill Kinman. Yeah. Well and done.
1: probably if Duncan wasn't such a good guy, the queen would have thought that was a threat. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Um, So then Duncan's back in the bar, he's drinking, remembering Lord Dennis when Kinman and the, the uh, Lord that hired him come into the bar and, Try to get a rise out of Duncan. Try to get him to fight right there. So either they knew what he agreed to. They had to have known what he agreed to with the queen somehow. Somehow I'm they sure. found that out. Uh, I'm sure work. other
1: lord dude figured it out. Yeah. Found out.
0: And it doesn't work because Duncan won't fight him. Mm-hmm. Duncan is a man of honor. He won't fight him. Meanwhile, you've got uh, Kinman calling him a coward, and everybody in the bar started calling him a coward. Yep. So he's dealing if with this coward. Uh, coward back to
1: the present when uh what's his name is calling him a coward too like that was interesting it was an interesting little transition they did between the flashback he's being called a coward and then by david markham in the present calling him a coward for not testifying like that was kind of well done Mm -hmm. i was impressed with that
0: yeah and and this was another case where flashbacks helped to flesh the story out by giving giving us our background between um Duncan and Kinman, and why he hates Kinman so much, um, mm-hmm. but also why why he feels so strongly that it has to be him that, that yeah. delivers the justice because he wasn't able to before. Mm-hmm. Um, while also, I just they could have again the whole the the coward thing is interesting, right? Because Duncan is anything but a coward, and right. he's being labeled as such. There's a lot of, of things in this episode that were the type of manufactured drama that I don't like, which is the manufactured Mm -hmm. drama of somebody just not having a simple conversation. Right. And like a simple conversation fixes all the problems in this episode or most of them. Uh, and we didn't get that. And that's the kind of, it's lazy writing for me. Uh, so we'll get back to that a little bit uh, later, but like the, the flashbacks themselves, I will say this, the flashbacks looked good. The costuming was very good. Um, yes, they went full bore with it. They had a lot of extras in the, in the one scene, um, which I liked. It felt like a, like a big party going on and mm-hmm. they had the mixture of common folk and aristocrats. And so you got to see a very, uh, a varying display of costumes and wigs and all of that. I, I, I liked that part of it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think that the, the flashbacks in this episode are probably the strongest part of it.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I'm thinking about the, the places where the flashbacks take place and stuff. And it it's kind of hitting me now that this definitely is one of you. This is a season four budget episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Cause they, you
1: know, most of the flashbacks take part in the exterior p- spaces. The only interior is the pub and it's, Kind of quaint and small.
0: So, mm-hmm. um, looks astonishingly like the pub that they were in in the first episode of the season.
1: Yeah. They just <laughs> changed the angle a little bit.
0: Yep. Move the camera, redress it a little mm-hmm. bit. Different pub back in the 1700s.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not, not bad at all. Like, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the flashbacks overall. Um, and I mm-hmm. do, I do like the story that they fleshed out. And I think, we got a similar but different version of Kinman in them too, which I liked mm-hmm. where yes. you can see how he's evolved over the years when you see him then in present day where he is yeah. the same. He's still the same dude, but mm-hmm. how he changes with the times I kind of liked. Right. So good, good flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Mac, you kill Kinman, you get satisfaction. Hey, it's not about my
1: satisfaction. Yeah, right. He's done this for centuries.
0: Ball, Mac. You kill him, they'll never know about it. They'll spend the rest of their lives thinking he got away. And that we let him. I know. And we just go ahead and live with that. No Joe this week, uh, even though we ended last episode with Duncan and Joe looking to have patched things up. Um, you know, it's not they're not all buddy-buddy quite yet. Uh, that we know uh, but we do have Richie. Richie's in the episode. Um, he mm-hmm. doesn't have—it's weird. He doesn't have a ton to do, but he's kind of important at the same time. Yeah. Um, he is the only one making complete sense with the way they're acting. Uh, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Like Richie is consistent. The Duncan in this episode feels weird. Yeah. Um, but Richie is definitely being Richie.
1: I think it's. For this episode, it feels weird for Duncan to hold on to this the way he does mm-hmm. compared to how Duncan has acted about vendettas in the past. Like, He's yeah. really holding on to this one strong, whereas I feel like other episodes it's been like that happened a long time ago. If we cross paths, you know, what will happen will happen. This one feels like Duncan really wants it to happen in a way that feels strange. And Richie is like us going like, what is, go- this is weird, dude. Like, why are we acting this way?
0: Well, and again, like for the first part of the episode, Duncan's doing all this and Richie's just like, why aren't we doing something about it? Why, why, yeah. why aren't we? And Duncan's not really saying anything. And I think that's the the thing that I I don't like and it harkens back to my, my comment about lazy writing from before. A simple, all Duncan has to do is tell this guy Markham, that he's got a past with Keating. He could... After the guy pulled a gun on him in the parking lot of the police department, I'm pretty sure you can tell the guy, look, I'm just waiting for him to get out so I can take care of him. Right. And Markham's going to be like, you know what? Fine. That's good enough for me. Like, mm-hmm. he would have been fine with that if you just have that conversation. But um, like, Richie was the one that just felt consistently like this felt like Richie. Right. Right. Uh, it didn't quite feel like Duncan that we know at this point mm-hmm. it felt a little different. And, and what I liked about Richie in this was that he is confused, but he also knows enough not to completely go against Duncan. Right. He's going to question him, but he's not going to, the younger he's Richie. he's still
1: going to follow his lead.
0: Mm-hmm, yes. Two years ago, Richie would be questioning him and pushing back a lot more and bristling and making it an issue. Mm -hmm. This Richie is a little bit wiser in that he's going to bristle, he's going to push a little, but he also knows, "Eh, I can only do that so much before, you know, I I, I overstep. And he's not going to overstep. And that's the Richie maturing that we Mm -hmm. do. Um, But I do like that after Markham offered him the check and he's talking to Duncan and he's like, this guy just wants he wants to know what's going on. Uh, he wants some closure, he wants anything he can. And Duncan knowingly isn't isn't helping him, and Richie calls him out on it. He's basically like, it's bull. Mm-hmm. You're doing this for you. You get the right. you get to feel the glory of what happened because of what happened to you 200 years ago. Meanwhile, this guy's lost his wife and everything else, and he's getting nothing out of it. And you do see Duncan kind of like he knows it but he also is sort of understanding of what Richie's trying to do. Mm -hmm. So I I did like that um, out of Richie. Yeah. I feel like had we had Joe in this episode, number one, there's too much going on to have Joe in there as well, but Joe would have been telling him the same thing. Right. So, you know. And And the other thing I was
1: looking at, it reminds me of the fact that when it came to Callus, Duncan was perfectly fine letting him go to jail. hmm But now this guy, for some reason, Duncan's like, nope, I don't want him to go to jail. I want him to be my next kill. And it's just like, it, it just seems weirdly out of character a little bit for Duncan now.
0: Because vengeance has never been Duncan's version of justice. Right. If it comes down to it, if he's in the situation where he can take someone's head, yes, he will. Mm-hmm. And like, if it's a, if it's, if it's Callus and all the things that Callus has done, and he's in the situation, yeah, he's going to take his head. But if he can't, let him go to jail. It's fine, whatever. He's he's right. out of the play. Whereas for some reason, this guy had to be killed, and right. that's what. Feels and I
1: think weird. especially because it's if it was somebody besides some random dude that Duncan knew long ago, mm-hmm. I might think differently about it. Like if it was someone we had actually seen or known about before now, yeah, that might
0: make more sense. But Random dude. That does play into it, too. We don't know this Dennis Keating enough to know what kind of an impact he had on Duncan Mm-mm. for it to matter. So there again is that. So it's like it's like writing this because they wanted to have Duncan angry, but that anger doesn't – it's not earned. That right. That version of Duncan we're getting in this episode isn't earned by the circumstances they've set up for it. Mm-mm. So.
1: Especially compared to previous instances where similar things have happened with Duncan and he's right. let it not let it slide but been like I can wait
0: yes and I think that's why it doesn't feel earned because of what we know of Duncan leading up to this mm-hmm. point yeah so, that is that is what that is but um yeah I mean Richie is not in the episode a ton but when he is on screen he's being Richie and mm-hmm. the good version of Richie yeah so I liked that um, yeah And we miss Joe. Bring him back. Mm -hmm. Am I missing something here, Mac? If Kinman is such a badass, why don't we just testify and put him away so we can't hurt anybody?
1: Richie, I don't want to put him away. I
0: want to bury him. Our final fight, um, I want to talk about two of them. Uh, We we mentioned the fencing. I thought the fencing in the flashback was cool. Um, Yeah. What I liked about it was it was a simple fencing duel outside, and it showed us how good of a swordsman... Kinman is right, and it gave us the little backstabby move that he does mm-hmm. um, the first fight that takes place in the parking garage I was getting some flashbacks of the first Highlander movie with that fighting in the parking garage uh, just a little yeah, bit, a little bit. Um, and that was cool and that was uh, it was a good fight because you've got I liked how that was set up where it's like there's the tension of everything that's going on and then Richie and Kinman are facing off and then you see Duncan in the background and you hear him drop his sword and scrape it along the ground to get Kinman's attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when Kinman turns around, the look on Duncan's face. Meanwhile, uh, Richie's like confused and yeah, I just, I liked that.
1: Although it was fun to see Richie pull his sword out. Like anytime I get to see Richie's sword, I'm
0: like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then the final fight in the meatpacking plant uh, mm-hmm. was another kind of claustrophobic one, right? And there's a lot going on there, but it starts <laughs> off with Duncan running around and Kinman shooting at him. But he very quickly kind of was like, what, is that all you're going to do is shoot at me? You're not going to fight me? And so he throws a gun down, pulls the sword, and then they have their sword fight while they're throwing mm-hmm. like, sides of beef at each other. Um, and it's a, it's a shorter fight. I think the I think mm-hmm. the actual fight in the parking garage at the beginning was a longer screen time fight. Yeah, but this one again was uh, was it was angry Duncan and confident Duncan, which is mm-hmm. interesting given how he's talked up Kinman. Right. Um, but then because of what we saw in the flashback, we see Duncan take him out with the same move. Yeah, which I I appreciate that um mm-hmm. use that, his own move against them. that does it's a very Duncan thing to do um my only complaint about the final fight is that they ruined an entire meat locker's worth of meat uh <laughs> in that um like none of that meats you can't you can't sell any of that now no oh, yeah sorts of, it's got all sorts of immortal juice all over it and like lightning mm-hmm. scorch marks right blood and everything just get, gotta uh. burn it all gotta burn it all down um uh,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, when you come into work the next day and you find the mob boss dead on the ground and then this other person headless, yeah, you yeah. kind of assume the whole room's busted.
0: There was also the weird, like, mirrored effect that they put on that on there, um, which, mm-hmm. uh, that felt very 90s. Um, but yeah. the weirdest part of it wasn't even that. It was right at the end of the quickening, Duncan, as he's kind of coming out of the, the quickening fugue state, turns and looks over his shoulder like he saw something or saw someone. <laughs> and there's nothing there. I'm like, "What what was that?" That was weird. Yeah. And then he just kind of walks off. Like it was it was a strange quickening. The fight itself I thought was pretty good. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, for what it was.
1: It's funny, too. Uh no no real sword info this week okay. other than like <laughs> I looked up the wiki to kind of figure out what's what kind of sword he has. Yeah. Uh, And uh, they said Kinman's weapon of choice was an 18th century small sword. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Find out. They keep going a dueling weapon and not particularly suited to the heavy combat required of the game. Okay. Highlander wicking calling out this dude's sword. No doubt.
0: Don't sword shame.
1: Especially if Kinman is specifically an assassin for hire, he's going to have a smaller sword that makes it easier for him to get in and out and just kill somebody as easy as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, he just, all he needs a sword for is taking heads. Like, he's going to mm-hmm. use other means to incapacitate people. Right. Sword shaming. That's not cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, overall, I wanted to like this episode. And for the first half of it, I was doing okay. I was in the the good, not great camp, right? The solid mm-hmm. C, C+, plus. you know. Okay, we got an episode. Sure, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's and then about twenty five minutes in, twenty seven minutes in, when when she pulled the gun on him in the interrogation room, I was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah, and then the the writing—it's well, so
1: much this episode where there is not any justification for what people are doing. No, if there was something about her and her partner being pissed off that they can't get this guy and then her pulling the gun out of frustration. Maybe I could go with it. But then she pulls his gun on him. You're like, holy crap, her her career's over. And it's like, nope. Her partner takes the gun and goes to get some get them a drink. That would never happen. Yeah. And then when he goes to get her a drink, she starts kissing Kidman. What? Yeah. This is the turn? Okay. So and then later on, Kidman just straight up offs her, which the only saving grace I'll say about that is I guarantee the writers are thinking about Kinman in that he has this
0: relationship for this reason. Mm-hmm. She is an insurance card. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. The way Kinman acted with all of that makes perfect sense. That mm-hmm. made, That's him. That I got. Her turn and having her be involved with him at all without any indication of that. Yep. Before she basically until after she pulls the gun on him and her partner leaves the room and then to mm-hmm. reveal all of this like, whoa, 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 wait, hold on. We 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 you don't just get to just play that card. Like, right. You've got to work yourself up to that a little bit
1: mm-hmm. or give us something better than that. They just happen to love each other for whatever reason. Like there was no backstory at all as to how nope. he met her. No, nope. why? they're doing this and why because they're together she would do that to and for him. Yep. Like yeah no
0: no reason for it whatsoever and that and it's so it's so jarring that it just everything fell off a cliff after that because now I don't care about her at all and then Mm -hmm. to have her personality change in front of Duncan as well Mm -hmm. and just all of it like it was it felt lazy and it felt it felt like the writers were just, hey, this would be a cool idea. Hey, this will move the plot along. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. you had an interesting idea of this shopkeeper who gets in with a loan shark and then right. loses his wife because of it, who had no idea any of that was going on. And now mm-hmm. he's a single dad and he can't get the justice for his wife because the one person who saw the guy that shot her won't talk about it. Like all of that stuff kind of gets pushed to the side for a little bit. Yeah. And not developed enough. So for this dumb, ooh, check out the cool twist we threw in there. She's working with him. No. Yeah. It's dumb. It's terrible. And her name is dumb as well. I didn't (laughs) say it earlier, but it's Kayla. (laughs) It's Kayla with three A's.
1: Which I guarantee you, somebody who wrote this episode knows somebody with Kayla and three A's. And that's why they wanted to spell it that way.
0: Either that or it's a typo. It's one or the other. I mean, sure. I've, I've done movie projects where a character got named Vincette instead of Vincent because it was a typo in the first edition <laughs> of the script and just stayed that way. So
1: that's entirely possible.
0: I just, uh, I, I wanted, I wanted so much to like this and I, cause I was watching it last night and <laughs> I'm like, oh, this, I don't, I don't want to watch it anymore. Like, honestly, I, I will say, and I don't say this often, but this is one you can skip. And you're not going to lose yeah. anything. You're not hurting anything. It doesn't doesn't inform you any. There, there's no like fantastic, either fantastically good or so good it's bad or so bad it's good type thing. Like the Joey the Joey Pants episode is bad, but like it's also kind of a train wreck that you just want to watch because it's Paniliano and mm-hmm. you just keep wondering what is he? Why does his accent change every scene? Um, right. This is just this is just lazy mid nineties TV. Like this is what a bad syndicated show does for a majority of their episodes, and only lasts a right. season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this yeah.
1: feels like some earlier seasons where we talked about. It's like they took this plot and this plot and just smushed it together in one episode because they had to for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, we gotta we gotta have twenty two episodes. Well, we got. Part of an idea here, and hey, what about this? With about this idea, yeah, put them together. That's fine. Let's let's run with Mm -hmm. that. And didn't give enough time to flesh anything out. And it's a bummer too because Kevin McNulty and Peter Outerbridge, I think, deserve better. Yeah, I think they do. And honestly, so does Jill Teed. Like, Mm -hmm. she's not bad. I don't like the character of Kayla. She's fine. Jill Teed is fine. Right. Kayla Brooks is terrible. (laughs) That's that's
1: the whole thing about this episode. Everybody is on their game portraying the character written as best as they can mm-hmm. but what's written is not great
0: no no it is not um so yeah that is uh that is what that is that was reluctant heroes um, mm-hmm. next week is episode nine the wrath of Kali I seem to remember this one being another of the weaker episodes so okay I don't know I could be misremembering it And I also feel like even if it is, it's going to be better than what I just watched. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I feel like it can only go up from here this season. Yeah, let's hope. Um, So, yeah, uh, we, if you want to hang out with Audia and I as we record live, you can do that. We record the show live on Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash tvstravis. Uh, The show comes out as a podcast on Thursdays. You can get that at anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander or anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, If you can leave us a rating and review, we do appreciate that. Let your friends know about the show as well. We are midway, coming up on the midway point of season four. We have uh, two more seasons after this, a couple of movies to do. Uh, We're having a ton of fun with that. Audie is doing fantastic artwork. Um, This season is all about the antagonist's weapons Mm -hmm. and um, another good one today. Uh, I like the sword. I mean, yeah. it's a cool, it's a pretty cool looking sword. Yeah. All in all. Not a, not even a. with the description. Yeah. It's not like a super flashy sword, but I like it.
1: Yeah. Even with the description, it was hard to kind of nail down because like you barely see it in this episode at all. It's, in any decent lighting at all too. So it's like, I could kind of make it out. I, yeah, okay.
0: You had the shot in the stairwell when the policeman's holding it up and that's about it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a dueling sword It's what it mm-hmm. looked like. Um but you captured it well and uh I think uh I think it works. You could have maybe done like uh I don't know, lipstick or something too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something maybe. silly like that. But no, I, I love the I love the theme of doing the different swords and weapons uh in this season. Yeah. Um It's been so fun. That's, that's a lot of fun. You can find that at uh you post those on Twitter.
1: Yep. Oddly normal one the one spelled out. That's where you can find them.
0: All right, and I am TV's Travis on Twitter as well. Uh, I love to talk immortals. I love to talk uh, pop culture, anything, movies, TV shows, music. Um, I'll, I'll talk about just about any topic with people if they want to. Yeah. So uh, definitely. Um. So yes, until until next week, and the wrath of Kali. Just remember that there can be only one really bad reveal in an episode. Dear Lord, let's hope so.